Price for Thursday, August 24th, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you need a place to stay by the airport, we suggest the Weston Wall YVR. Get some rest, relaxation in those plush heavenly beds. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Trevor Martin's hitting switches, conducting things. This show, presentation of Applewood Auto Group, we're right now. At Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Richmond, the 23 Murano SL. Weekly from 135, the 23 Pathfinder SL, 318 bi-weekly, and the 23 Frontier at 644 monthly because, Blake Price... It is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We are asking you... Given no long-term extension for Elias Pettersson, who's the captain now? Quinn Hughes? JT Miller? Do you still want to give it to Elias? Or no captain? Three alternates. Vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog your source. Free casino games. Poker strategy and sports odds. Bodog line of the day for me. The Lions are 10-point favorites against the Hamilton Tiger Cats Saturday at BC Place. That's a little much for me. You can, however, on the props, bet either team by a certain margin. BC to win by one to six points. That pays plus 350 on your Bodog line of the day. We kicked this around a little bit in questions to Frank Corrado and to Jeff Patterson yesterday, Blake. But the Elias Patterson comments yesterday, I do think nourish the decision on captain of this club upcoming. Uh, it Even if he wanted it at this point, would the Canucks give him the C, given that he's unsigned beyond this year? Is this clear the path for a Quinn Hughes coronation? Or do you want to keep that an open-ended question? And Rick Tockett has talked about a leadership group and almost signaled like he was leaning towards three different alternates, but you tell me, I voted no captain three alternates, I'll confess, um, because not knowing if PD wants it, I would want to leave that open, particularly if you're able to negotiate in season and get a long-term extension done before next summer. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not against that in, in any way, shape, or form. This isn't a team, again, knocking on the door of a Stanley Cup that you, you want that defined leadership when the going gets tough and all that sort of thing. They've got a leadership group, and for now, I think that's probably fine. And, you know, maybe you want to see this team go through a playoff push and make the playoffs and and have that as your final bit of evidence as to who helped get you there, who provided that key leadership. Get that feedback from Rick Tockett and his staff and then make that decision for the following season where, ostensibly, all of that core group will then have an extension, right? You know, next summer, Hughes, Miller, Patterson, they're all going to be under contract for a long time. That's the goal. So, I mean, it has to happen at some point next summer that everybody's going to be extended. So that's not going to be a risk anymore. Yesterday's Bodog poll question, are you scared Elias Patterson is going to want out? Yes or no? What won the vote? Oh, boy. I think yes won the vote. It did. 
I'm going to say 56. Right on the number, Blake Price. Uh, well, You've I, been pretty good recently. Did you know that one? Had you? Nope. Oh, okay. Nope, nope. All right. Nope. Well done. Very well done. Uh, hey, just before we go any further, mm. shout out to Professor Rob of BCIT's retired Air Canada airplane mechanic from West Kelowna. I'm glad him, his family, and his neighbors are all good there in West Kelowna. He came down to me, uh, came to visit with me last night at the NAT at the Seas game, saying he listens every day on his walk. So oh, thank you for nice. that, Rob. Made my day. Great conversation. Uh, moments after we finished recording yesterday's show, one of the comparables, one of the other shoes to drop here with unsigned players mm-hmm. happened yeah. in Toronto. Austin Matthews got his extension with the Leafs, and as many people predicted, he did not choose to go for the full eight-year term. It's a four-year deal at $13.25 million per, becomes the highest-paid player in the NHL, uh, and is going to be a free agent again at age 30. So we've seen Dan Milstein do these sorts of deals yeah. with Andre Kuzmenko and some others. Uh, Matthew's taking that deal. Now, the one thing I'll say, you know, the Leafs and Canucks are in different points in their evolution, their team cycles. Austin Matthews has been through a lot of playoff disappointment. Let's face it, they've won one round there, mm-hmm. right? So I can understand this a little bit more that Austin Matthews is looking around going, if we don't get things done here soon in the next few years, that probably means full full rebuild. So I, I get the intricacies, the specifics on that negotiation, and I don't necessarily think they apply to Elias and the Canucks, but there are some common denominators as well. What did you make of that extension? How do you think it affects the price of tea with Pedersen and the Canucks? Well, I, I think it because uh, he's of well, he's a little bit older too. He'll be he's a little bit older than Pedersen is now, uh, same age as he'll be next year. Uh, I I think it now becomes the template for a lot of these young stars to come. That why would you sign a seven or eight year deal? It grows stale. Hems you in and makes and makes trading difficult ultimately for that team down the road. And and here's where it might be a small win for the team. Now, if if you guys have a, a, a fair amount of success, cup or no cup, even you're going to have to pay that guy even more in four or five years' time, depending on the length of that of that bridge bridge deal. But here's the thing: is that Trading that player, let's say he signed an eight-year deal, and after four years goes, guys, it's not happening here, I want out. That's a tougher contract to trade now. But if after three years, or four, if it's a five-year deal after four, if it's a four-year deal after three, he says, guys, I, I want out, it's not happening here. That's a lot easier of a contract to trade. Oh, very to an much, acquiring very team, much so. You do, you do you get less? I think Matthews knows that too. I don't know if he get less either because an acquiring team on an eight year deal knows that they're also buying that player at his worst years. Them buying him with a you know a year and a half left, they know they're still getting prime years out of him, and then they can guide negotiations after that. 
So and it might have a, it might end up being a small win for the club as well in that hey if it's not going well if you haven't won the cup then you're going to get a handsome return and you'll probably have a a pretty good competition for that player versus buying 33 years 34 year old players contracts so I don't I think this might be what we see I I wonder if we're going to see the demise of the eight year deal here. Mm. That's a big leap. Uh, I think most players and agents are still going to want the most money possible for the longest period of time. But although I I do agree, there there seems to be a trend against it right now with some bigger name players. Other thing I want to mention: uh, this is from Dom Lecision of the Athletic. Um, the AAV is a massive win for the Leafs. Fifteen point one percent of the cap for Matthews, if the cap indeed does go up to eighty-seven point five million, is really, really good. We talked about it yesterday with Frank Corrado that McKinnon's in around that fifteen percent. McDavid too. McDavid. There was even talk that you know maybe Matthews could be twenty percent of the Leafs' cap, yeah. and he's going to fall well short of that, particularly as the cap goes up. So two, three years down the road, he yeah. should he should go below the fifteen percent mark. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it seems pretty gaudy, the number, mm-hmm. but given the escalation of the cap that we expect, maybe not. Well, and I think if you're J.P. Barry and Pat Brisson with Elias Patterson, you're going, oh, that one didn't necessarily do us the biggest favor on the PD negotiation. Also saw this going around yesterday, and I, I saw you uh, reply, and I think some of our media friends, Steve Ewan of the province, Farhan Walji of TSN, were involved about... Did people expect Pedersen to say he was ready to sign a long-term deal? Well, given what we know about the Canucks and Pedersen, no. But in a regular scenario, yes. Players that are happy, performing well for good organizations say they want to stay there long-term all the time. My expectation is that a player is non-specific with the, with the media and with the public. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's but my expectation. If they do offer an opinion, it's all it's almost always. I'm very happy here. I'd love to play the rest of my career here. So if you're asking me, yeah, am I interested in a long term deal? Yes. Yeah, we we've heard that before too. For sure, we have. You almost always hear that. You um, do you ever hear no? I'm unhappy here. I want out. And those two things can be mutually ex- exclusive too. Oh, there's you, a whole lot of gray area in between those things, of course. But you can say I want to spend the rest of my career here without saying I want a long term contract. That's a, that's a different thing. For all we know, Al Austin Matthews is going to sign another five year deal with the Leafs at the end of this one. Mm-hmm. But Blake, you know, go around the league. Let's just take a player and a team. Uh, Let's take Brett Pesci in Carolina. Okay, why? Who's not as good a player as Elias, but he's going into the final year of his deal. He is eligible for an extension right now. There's been trade rumors about him. You went to Brett Pesci and said, are are you interested in re-signing long-term here with Carolina? You'd probably say, yeah. Yeah. We've got a really good team. Mm -hmm. We've been knocking on the door here. I've personally... Excelled here, flourished. Played with a great partner, playing a good system for yeah. him. Like these sorts of things happen all the time. So juxtapose that against what we heard from Elias yesterday, and we'll get into this later into the people we go. 
I understand why a bunch of Canucks fans feel wounded by this, feel concerned, feel, oh, he doesn't want us or he doesn't like us or he doesn't believe in this organization. Now, he did say, again, we chronicled this yesterday, mm-hmm. but he did say, hey, that, that that passion from the fans and the media, that's a good thing, too. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do want to see that on the other side of, with a mm-hmm. winning team. So, but I think for a lot of fans, it's okay. Put your money where your mouth is. Sign the, sign the extension. Anyways, as uh, we noted yesterday, this is going to be a topic now, so long as it's unresolved. Uh, speaking of the Canucks, more news today. Rogers Arena upgrades. We'll get into this with Rob Williams, who is very much on the stadium and scoreboard and seat beat. But looks like an absolutely gorgeous video board. Bigger, brighter. Yep. Some other bells and whistles going in, as well as this very Tony event club. I, I honestly, uh, I, I'm I'm excited for the fans' uh, behalf um, on a lot of these improvements. Well, especially the season ticket holders. Like, yes. Yeah, there were a lot of season ticket holders here who are longstanding who are going, okay, wait a second. Rip seats. Yeah. You know, one of the oldest arenas going, but seats, you know, other things. You can't do much about the concourse or the footprint of Rogers Arena, right? Like, that is... Mm-hmm what you're going to have to live with to some degree, but you don't have to live with rip matted down seats. You don't have to live with a video board that's no mm-hmm. longer state-of-the-art. Good to see the Aqualini's putting some money into this. Well, one of the criticisms that we've heard over the years... And, of course, new seats coming everywhere for next season, next summer, Bill. One of the criticisms we've heard over the years is, you know, at the outset of a game, never mind a Tuesday game versus the Coyotes, but just a, a you know, standard even weekend game. The stands everywhere else are way more full than the club seats. And people think, you know, the club seats are the Richie Riches who, you know, maybe don't want to give their tickets away, don't search hard enough to give their tickets away, don't have buddies that are diehard fans, so they, they don't they don't fill them necessarily every single game. So you'll see if there's empty seats at all in the lower bowl, generally it's in the club section. Well, the connection just doubled down on that with the new Uber Elite section. Yeah, and it's only 60 seats, but they are positioned behind the benches. So visible. Yes. Like if nobody shows up in the loges, you don't know. You can't see it. No, exactly. Some luxury suites are empty. That's not something that the television cameras are going to fixate on multiple times. Is it going to be the black hole more than anything else? You know, everybody always says, how come the Leafs, uh, how come the seats behind the Leafs bench are empty all the time? Well, they're not. It's just the rich fat cats linger a little bit in the restaurant below and then make their way up first or second whistle into a period. And for the first few minutes, you have this emptiness but the thing is, the benches. Rich fat cats, they've got socialized. They've got places to be. They, they generally work in, in fast-paced industry where they have to maybe travel the world a little bit. They can't make it to every single game. Does that guy, does that billionaire, mm. does he work hard to make sure somebody's in his seats? Yeah. No, I don't think he works hard. He'll just probably say, oh, can't go to that game. I'm not going. And it sits empty. I, it'll be very interesting to see how many people butts in seats on an ongoing yeah. basis. I uh, should mention here, just because we have talked about this guy a lot, Alexei Lafreniere, one-time first overall pick. He's re-signed here yesterday, Blake. Two years, $2.35 million, needless to say, needing a big year for the New York Rangers after not necessarily blowing anybody's socks off as a first overall. We, all, we always used to talk about him in terms of 
Is he available? Is he a player who would interest Vancouver, given that his former agent, Emily Castingay, is an AGM here in Vancouver? Now, I don't see them trading for wingers anytime soon, but to me, this is a player that's going to have a lot of spotlight, I think, on them because, as we know, the Rangers and their ownership can do things a little bit differently. As a matter of fact, the Knicks side of the operation is suing the Toronto Raptors right now in a case that a lot of sports business and sports legal watchers have called unprecedented. Like, you don't often see teams suing a guy for allegedly taking team reports or draft out or whatever it is that the Knicks fear the, uh, that one of their ex-employees has done with the Raptors. And as we know, a couple of years ago when the Washington Capitals beat him up towards the end of that bubble season, James Dolan, the owner there, went in and said, we're going to be tougher. I want a new coach. In entered Gerard Gallant, the terrible Pavel Buchnevich trade. So Rangers are an interesting case season to season, and this kid in particular may well be an interesting case this year in the National Hockey League. BC Lions home Saturday to Hamilton. As mentioned, it's a 4 p.m. kickoff. You want to get to the plaza early for those $5 beers, $5 margaritas. There will be a hammer-themed piñata there for you. It's superhero night, so if you want to bring the little ones, you'll see a whole bunch of your favorite superheroes. And, of course, we're giving away tickets here on Securison Price. You want to get in now. Hear this and text immediately because Trevor's picking a winner later. We'll announce on tomorrow's show. Text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. You not only win a pair of tickets, but there's a food and bev voucher there as well as a gift card for the team store. Uh, we went over the Lions injuries yesterday. It's looking good, looking like they're getting a couple linemen on each side of the ball. Back healthy, Canadian Nate Cherry probably not going to play a big defensive lineman. And uh, Jonathan Kongbo, remember him? It was mm-hmm. so very brief with the Leos. Surrey kid, terrific amateur pedigree, including playing at the University of Tennessee. We thought he might be helpful on the pass rush side of things, and he lasted but a minute at Lions training camp before making noise about the way things are run being shipped off to Hamilton, he's ailing there in the hammer. He might not play Mm. in this football game, which is, of course, his hometown, his hometown here. Whitecaps and Portland Timber, are you calling this game? No. On the weekend? Nope. It's uh, down on the road. They've got Americans. Got you. Got you. Do you have any insight into uh, what expect uh, lineup wise? Are we still a little too far? I do not. Yeah, I do not. I have not poked around on that yet. Baseball yesterday, the M's, Jays, and Astros all lose. So Boston games gains a game on the field. They're now four back of Seattle for the final wild card. The Jays are one back. And how about this awful news? Shohei Otani, the marquee attraction in this sport, torn UCL, may require a second Tommy John surgery. Mm. Now, that's going to hamper him more as a pitcher potentially than a hitter. I think he is still going to have a very flush free agent market this this offseason. That all said, the gamble of the Los Angeles Angels to keep him, try and make the playoffs, or at least have negotiation exclusivity until his free agency hits, 
that has suddenly been through. Well, the gamble of keeping him and making a playoff push, that's done. But now the secondary part of that, you know, what are you going to pay him, particularly if he's missing next year as a pitcher because of of a second TJ surgery? There was always a question. How long would he remain a dual threat? You know, uh, pitching is so hard Mm -hmm. on the body. How many pitching years would you get out of Shohei Otani? Mm -hmm. It's a shame it might come to an end sooner rather than later. It is a big shame. Yeah. It is. So let's hope it's not. Yes. I mean, it's a pretty standardized procedure now. And guys come back stronger from it. Sometimes, most times, maybe. Yeah, yeah. well, the, after the first time, there's really good data on that yeah, now. Yeah, well, that's why they're doing preemptive Tommy Johns yeah. sometimes. Yeah, um, but after a second one, mm. who knows here. Yeah. As mentioned, I was, at Nat, I was at Nat Bailey Stadium last night, and they don't lose a whole lot at home. They didn't have a chance last night. No. Spokane with a no-hitter. Of your Vancouver Canadians, two pitchers combined. The starter, Anderson Pilar, struck out 13 over seven innings. I was sitting with Andy Dunn, and he sort of elbowed me, and he went, this kid has struck out the first five guys he's faced. And he got better from there. It's the first time the Canadians have been no hit at the Nat since becoming a Blue Jay affiliate in 2011. It is the third no-hitter of the Northwest League season. And, of course, the Seas had the first one back in June at Everett. Devereaux Harrison, since traded Matt Svansson, worked seven no-hit innings. That was in a doubleheader, so only seven innings. Something was in the air last night because the uh, big club was not much better. They had one one base runner hit second base for the big team. Well, and true to form, the Canes get guys on base. That walk-off cardiac Canadians, as Tyler Zickel was this the, the they were right there they were fighting they were scrappy there was a very well hit ball to the deepest part of the park in the ninth inning last night that just stayed in and Andy looked at me and he said if this is a nooner that ball's out because it carries a little right, bit for right. anyways well done to Spokane I mean they mm-hmm. were just incredible and had quite a celebration on the field at Nat Billy and rightfully so after a game like that let's get to today's menu oh no. Spoke a little soon. Mm. Golf. The CPKC Women's Open. Canadian National Open here on the LPGA Tour. Underway today at Shaughnessy. Tickets are still available for all four days. Kids under 12 are free. You just have to bring your kid to the gate. If you got a ticket, they'll give you a ticket for the kid. 12 and under at the gate. Very important to know, there is absolutely no parking on site at Shaughnessy. There are free shuttles running from UBC, so you park at UBC. You'll be directed on how to get to a shuttle that take you to the golf course. There's also free bike valet on site at Shaughnessy. But do not drive up to Shaughnessy looking to park and attend the golf. You're going to have to find a different... A different means to and from the golf course. Not many professional sporting events can you bring your kids for free. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing. So, fifteen Canadians in the field. Brooke Henderson tees off at one twenty-one today, and I suspect she'll have a pretty good following. She's playing with world number one as well as one of the Corda sisters. So, one other little note to a friend of the show, Evan Dunphy, with another fourth place finish oh, in what race walking at the world. 
athletics championships. This so. is the twenty km though now, yeah. right? They have reduced the length. Well, he's got twenty. That's at the twenty and the thirty-five now. He's got fourth places okay. in both of them. He always makes things dramatic, doesn't he, yeah. Evan? He uh, he uh, got a hamstring issue you, at late. You don't leave an Evan Dunphy race early because God no. knows what happens. Might help pooping in that competitors. <laughs> you just you never know, never know. And a terrific sportsman who displayed terrific sportsmanship yeah. at the Olympic Games on behalf of Canada. Here's the menu brought to you by De Dutch. To breakfast, to brunch, to lunch. Get it all at De Dutch. We'll talk to Rob Williams on all the changes at Rogers Arena. His two cents on everything we heard from Elias Pettersson. To the people we go, follows, and boy, did we get a lot of smart comments Analyzing what Petey said, we also got a lot of emotional ones that we'll share with you. Nathan Rourke, quarterback, Jacksonville Jaguars, former BC line. Great to have Nathan back on the show after his scintillating performances here in preseason of the National Football League. And, of course, we'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits in the Penticton V season well underway, means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group, where Blake is driving this new Outlander from Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi. And uh, you're jealous. You're just well, very not, jealous. Uh, you're hey, jealous that I, I skipped past I, all the gas stations. Oh, no, well, yeah. look, I love my Infinity QX60 from Richmond Nissan. Applewood, Richmond Nissan. But uh, you were updating us on bricks. Gas bricks, fuel bricks on your oh, display. Yeah. Well, I'm frozen in time, Still. man. <laughs> not not moving. Um, it is quite a testament, huh? Like you're learning things here about your driving patterns. Thursday, I'm two weeks deep, and I'm a brick down wow. of the 16 bricks oh, only. Oh, man. But you know what? I don't want to get too hung up on that because it, it sort of skips past the luxurious drive, the fabulous stereo, the amazing touchscreen. Just take one for a test drive. Head down to... Applewood, Mitsubishi, and the Richmond Automall. Bodog poll question with no long-term extension for Liz Pedersen. Who's the captain now? Quinn Hughes? Miller? Still Pedersen? We're going no captain. Three alternates. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog line of the day for me. Caps facing their Cascadia rivals in Portland on the weekend. Timbers seeking a new coach bump here. They've changed gaffers. And the home team 
pays plus 110. That's pretty good value there on your Bodog line of the day. With Rob Williams, national sports editor of the Daily Hive, their offside sports vertical. Rob, the hockey guy on Twitter. Rob, how are you? Doing well, guys. I'm a little upset that uh, Elias Pettersson tried to overshadow the big news yesterday of the new Canucks scoreboard, but, uh, you know, what have you. Yeah, yeah. you know, you work so hard to get a scoop like that, and then you get out-scooped by the Star Center. I think Austin Matthews might have scooped everybody. Well, At not in this national, town. No, no, not, not, in, this not town. in this town. National media, though, my goodness. Oh, you for sure. Any yeah. news of no, that, I mean, they, they left Elias quickly there yeah. yesterday and yeah. went scurrying, scurrying east to cover that contract. So I just want your general opinions first, what you heard from Elias, and we'll move on from there. Yeah, I, I think it's mildly concerning. I think the the hope uh, for Canucks fans and, and likely Canucks management as well is to re-sign Elias Pettersson to as long a contract as possible and do it before this season so that there's absolutely no distractions. It's not a talking point going into training camp and you have certainty with the team's best player and, and keeping him throughout all of his prime years, right? And now we're left to wonder why does it, you know, there's no rush, sure, but why does he want to wait? And that's the big question for me. Is this purely a, a, a money thing? Is Does he think that, okay, I'll have a, I'll have a big year and, and we'll get more certainty with the salary cap and maybe a few other top players will sign and the, and the market moves up? I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to to think if, if you're Elias Pettersson. But Austin Matthews didn't wait a year, right? Like he could have waited, but he you know he, he signed for them and took the money now. Um, and a lot of players do take the money right away. So you're you know I'm, I'm left to wonder with, with Pettersson, and I think based off of past comments he's had about wanting to play on a winning team, and of course, like why wouldn't he? And he's he's so clearly driven uh, to win that. You know, maybe he's waiting to see what kind of season the Canucks have. Maybe he's waiting to see how, you know, how these players all come together. And, and if if things go off the rails as badly as they have in the last three years, and geez, I, I hope not, right? Like, I hope we see a better product on the ice this season. But what if it does? What does that, you know, then what does Pedersen do? And I, 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 you know, and I would venture to say that that how the Canucks perform this season will have an effect on how long Patterson is willing to to sign with the with the team. What about an Austin Matthews resolution? He did allow that it could be a shorter term. Do you think he was maybe just setting everybody up for look, it's not going to be the 8-year extension, but he is going to find a way to get a deal done here with the Canucks. Possibility? Yeah, I mean we're left to wonder, right? Cuz like I mean, he's, he is going to resign. He's not, he's not, he's not an unrestricted free agent. So he's a restricted free agent, but like, what does short term mean? Does that mean like one year walk him to free agency? Or does that mean, like you say, like an Austin Matthews kind of middle, middle term kind of, kind of deal. So I, that's the double dip contract, right? That allows you to be, get paid big yeah. time twice. And I think that would be a perfectly reasonable thing to do as well. But I do think that if he's playing on a team that, and playing for an organization where he has confidence that they can put a winner on the ice and that they can, uh, you know, he can play for, I mean, never mind a contender, but play for a playoff team. Uh, You know, I think he's, this is probably a little bit easier to convince him to sign long-term. Whereas, you know, if it goes the other way, I think it's, I, I I really think right now that, that it's about winning for him. 
And, you know, obviously it's always about the money as well with any contract, but geez, I, I think this is about winning. He's going to get his money no matter where he goes, but do you really want to lock into your best years on a team that, you know, maybe they're a playoff team, right? If you look at the, you look at the gambling odds right now, like, like Vegas doesn't think they're a playoff team. So, you know, I, I think why should, uh, you know, why should he sign long-term with the organization? So I think it's per- a perfectly reasonable thing to do, but it is concerning if you're, if you're, um, you know, a fan of the Canucks or you're in, in management. Boy who cried wolf fable. I mean, where the Canucks are the boy and, <laughs> Elias is the townsfolk who came comes running and finds out. Yeah, no, there is no wolf. <laughs> but the Again, other thing, the other thing to consider here for him is, you know, think about the, you know, we think that the Canucks did well this off season in that they didn't commit a ton of term um, to a lot of players. He might see the opposite in that he doesn't know whose teammates are going to be in a few years. So we 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 see the. Um, you know, the canvas being wide open in a couple of years time to sort of fit this team into a, into a contending status. But maybe that's not, maybe that's less um, heartening for the star player who wants to know who's going to be bringing him to contention. And right now, outside of those core few players that he's been around for years with, he doesn't know necessarily who the new guys are that are going to bring them to that promised land outside of Philip Ronick, who he doesn't really know a ton. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a, you know, a s- smart guy and, and, and someone who follows the league and someone knows how, you know, you know, the players see how, how championship teams are built as well. Right. Like they're, they're, I don't mm-hmm. think they're, uh, you know, naive to, to, you know, what it takes to, to build a winner. So I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, I think, I think he's probably looking at this and thinking the same thing, like, okay, great. Like we're not, you know, I, I think that a player probably has less of a long-term lens than, than a, um, than a fan might like they're probably looking in like mm-hmm. five-year chunks rather than like, okay, how, how's this going to affect the team for the next decade or two? Every year so valuable to their career, Rob, right? Like every year. So Absolutely. Valuable. As Jeff said yesterday, thing, if you've got 10 years left, you've got 10 chances to win a Stanley cup and you know, it won't be this year, right? You don't so, just throw them away. Yeah. No. And that's very much um, on brand for the modern player too, Rob, who is, uh, slowly, surely, and increasingly taking control of their career and where and where it meanders after being subject to, let's face it, something that uh, nobody, no other profession is subject to, right? A draft. Guess what, kid? You're going to Columbus. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm one of the best in my in my profession. I could work the world over in any other industry. No, no, no. Our rules. You're playing in Columbus. I get it. Yeah, I mean. I, I think a big thing for for Patterson right now is is what has already happened, what he's already been through. You know, if the Canucks don't make the playoffs next season, that'll be, you know, that'll be six years now since making his debut and never playing in front of a playoff crowd. Right? It's not the Canucks' fault. The pandemic happened in 2020, but that just the one playoff appearance in 2020, and it was the weird one. Right? So like how much must he be wanting to play in the playoffs, be wanting to have those pressure pack situations in front of the big crowd, um, you know, getting a real taste of, of the real Stanley cup playoffs. Um, I, I would imagine that, that that's burning, you know, pretty hot right now for, for Pedersen. 
answer me the poll question then, because here's the other thing. Does this change everything with the captaincy with Elias Patterson unsigned to start the year? Who's the captain now? Hughes, Miller, Patterson, or no captain, three alternates? What says you, Rob? I don't think this should change their thinking in it, in, at all. And, and if you know, and, and my thinking is being that if Elias Pettersson wants to be the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, he'll be the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if he wants to be captain. That that's one one unanswered question for me. I don't know if if he relishes that side of things. And and I think that maybe you know just from from everything that we've seen so far, I'm leaning towards Quinn Hughes as being the top candidate to be captain for the Canucks. And I think that's probably the, the, the right choice, but I wouldn't slight Patterson over it. If Patterson wants it, I think it's his. How about a rotating, yeah, and how about you, a rotating C? Are we well, that's that? it. It's, well, we've talked about shared A's. How about a rotating C? That's irregular. Yeah. Of course, uh, we have seen that with the Canucks uh, before with uh, Early 90s, Trevor Linden, Dan Quinn, and Doug Lidster all shared the sea for a year before hmm. uh, before Linden took over as a regular captain. Yeah. Rob's right, though. There's the unanswered question of whether he wants it. There's the complication of, can you assign it to him this year? And I- I'm with you, Rob. Like, maybe it's just better off going Hughes this way so long as you're not sliding Elias. Or if Elias wants it, and you're uncomfortable giving it to them because it's final year, then go with three ace this year and play it out another year under your head coach. We've seen that recently too with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a risk. I mean, look, if you give the you give the seat to, to Patterson and he leaves in a year or two, then you find another captain. Then you give it to Hughes, and you know it's it's already disaster mode that you've that you've lost him anyway. So I don't think that you're. I don't think that you're now Fair. putting Hughes in a in a tough spot. I think that's already that's already uh, a, you know a really a bad outcome. I mm-hmm. I think you'd be you know you wouldn't want to be in a situation where you you've slighted him because you're not willing to give him the the the, the C before he signs long term mm-hmm. and he's like what do you mean I'm you know I'm already uh, committed here so I wouldn't risk it in that side. So I, to me the captaincy is a is a totally separate issue. The good news, Rob, is that we will see who is captain very clearly when it does happen because it'll all be on that massive new scoreboard they're installing at Rogers Arena, which went from Sam Smith concert skullduggery to uh, out in the open today with a news release that chronicled all the changes inside Rogers Arena. Um, Not only the scoreboard, but new seats for everybody after the summer of 2024. Finally, finally, we find out what's happening at Rogers Arena. Uh, I'm sure Canucks PR will be thrilled to not have to hear from me uh, with questions about the seats and the video board, uh, maybe for a couple of weeks or, or so. I'm not sure until until the next uh, rumor spikes. But yeah, it looks it looks really awesome. Apparently, it's uh, going to be almost four times bigger. The uh, the uh, scoreboard is going to be than than the previous one. So you're going to have these giant video screens to see replays and and uh what have you there's also a new ring beam being put in and also some video screens going uh above each section uh so lots of of uh you know new bells and whistles i think that that we're going to be seeing at the at the rink this season so that should improve the uh the fan experience uh we've also got confirmation now that the seats will be changed uh they're entirely uh, beginning next summer. So they're going to be 
you know, get a good look at. They didn't tell us what color though, did they? Well, they didn't tell us what yeah, color. Yeah, I guess the assumption is because they were doing the they were doing the one, you know, piecing everything together. They didn't explicitly say it in this release, but piecing together from what we know that they're having an entire section that's going to be black. I would I'd say it's safe to assume that we're going to be seeing uh, saying goodbye to the to the old maroon colored seats uh, this year and and next summer it should be all black uh, going throughout the uh, the arena. Also, this event level club rob where you can sit there and fine dine as the players walk past you to and from their benches during the intermissions and of course pregame that's right so this is the the new high roller club i guess they casually called it the center ice club i don't think i would imagine there might be a uh, sponsor name on on that before puck drops on the season uh i believe one is coming (laughs) yeah somebody told me there is one coming yes exactly so uh, you know, this will have a private entrance for, uh, it sounds like you don't have to like interact with the riffraff at all. If you don't want to here, you, you, you so gross <laughs> to see the fans, right? You, you park in your spot underground, you, you take your private entrance into this club area, and then you get a private entrance into your, your special area with the extra cushy seats. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be very expensive to, to get your hands on, on, the uh, one of these tickets, but uh, yeah, it sounds very exclusive and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that, uh, you know, what the experience is like for fans sitting in that section. Yeah. Um, have you heard what they're going for? Uh, I'd have to look it up. I I know Clay, okay. Clay Emo was on, was on this beat, uh, right. you know, shaking down the ushers to find out the information uh, when he was looking at his season tickets. Uh, I know I can't, I, I don't want to say a, a number cause I'll, I'll be wrong, but it was, uh, it was mm-hmm. extraordinarily expensive, uh, from, from yeah. what people had heard. This gets you into every other Rogers arena event. I, I, I'm told you're not allowed to sell them. Like they're yours. You have to go to all the, I you was can wondering about this. them, but you, there's no, like, you know, if you say, Oh, I don't want this concert or anything. Sorry. It's yours. Um, there's 60 of these seats. Uh, somebody told me the Aquilini family will be taking 10 of them um, behind the bench, by, behind the Canucks bench. And uh, yeah, break out your wallet Yeah, if you want to be in this club. New seats for the fans coming and for the players, though, too. New benches and penalty boxes. So that's mm-hmm. nice. I, I hope yeah. they have a good cushioned bench and, and penalty box. It's, I, I want to say it's the third oldest arena in the league. And I'll, and I'll Needed. look. The seats, needlessly, and the video board, needless to say, were both absolutely overdue. But for the most part, for an arena that old, it's holding up reasonably well. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think the, you know, we say what we want about the, what the ownership has done to the team on the ice, but I think the they've kept the the arena in, in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, my biggest complaint about Rogers Arena is it's just the concourses are just too narrow and uh, like they're exceptionally too narrow. Uh, and anything they can do to improve in that area, that it's it's not an easy thing to do. But I think that's that's one that's sorely needed. If they can, ex- I don't know if they can expand the footprint at all. But that's 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 my big complaint that that's uh, going to be very difficult to change. Lastly, Rob. The Toronto Raptors come to town here, and dare I use the phrase, it's almost like they're Canada's team. That NBA title a few years ago, I think, has really helped nationalize their brand and get more fans coast to coast. And we saw that again here this week. 
when their pre-sale for an exhibition game against Sacramento came up. Tell us that story. Yeah, you know, this has been building since before before their championship run too, guys. Like, I remember the Raptors visits in, geez, what was it, 2016, 2017, and I wasn't yep. really on board. I was sort of, you know, only had a passing interest in the team, and I couldn't believe the the you know, the footage that we're seeing coming out of Rogers arena of how excited people were to be at uh, an NBA preseason game. And it wasn't just basketball fans or people just checking out an event. Like these were Raptors fans. Like these were very enthusiastic fans going to the games. I went to the game in 2018, uh, which was the first time Kawhi Leonard played in a Raptors Jersey. Like that was, there was was a, a, a great atmosphere for an NBA preseason game. And it appears that that, you know, despite this la- the last couple of years that the Raptors have had, uh, excitement's still there. Like the pre-sale tickets went on sale uh, yesterday morning, spoke to some people that, that uh, were in the queue for it. Some people didn't get in. It uh, looks like the pre-sale completely sold out. Uh, there were, you know, some people that, that went online that were talking about how they couldn't get tickets. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they go on sale to the general public Friday morning, 10 a.m. So, so we'll see how many tickets are even left at that point, but I'm expecting another sellout at Rogers arena for this. Yeah. And, and you're right. They had popularity here, um, early, uh, before the championship. And I think you're absolutely right. We now have this confluence of people who are Vancouver's an event town, this an event, and I'm going and died in the wool Raptors fans, particularly. Well, they've, after had, the, they've had, I don't know, the 10, championship. 10 but they haven't camps. been here in yeah. five years, yeah. right? So the, it's also been a while. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's also generational. Like this is like, you know, the NBA skews younger. And I think especially in Vancouver, you talk to young people, I was saying, saying to you guys earlier, like, like, People in the office at Daily Hive, we have a younger office. Like people are interested in the NBA every single time they they come to town. People are asking me like, how do they get tickets and and mm-hmm. and all the rest. And it's uh, you know sometimes it's from from sports mm-hmm. fans, sometimes it's more for from casual fans. But but people are definitely interested in the NBA, especially young people. Nice work here, Rob. And uh, we didn't get to it, but nice work on the real estate beat this week as well <laughs> wow that was a thorough post on oliver ekman larson's crib i uh i didn't expect to see so many photos so many quotes uh you you were really uh, helping the agent there sell sunset so well done <laughs> well, well done Chriselle. We, we we appreciate your work <laughs> hey, hey you know what we we talked we talked about uh, jt miller living in uh, in west Bend. now we know oel was was in kits you know eventually I'm going to find out what, what part of town everyone's living in. Awesome, Rob. Thanks for this. Thank you. So Carson Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. To the People We Go is brought to you by our man of the people, Jason Hominick of Jason dot mortgage and here's the thing jason doesn't just do residential mortgages he does commercial too if you're a business owner looking to buy your building a builder or developer looking for options beyond your bank get jason's expert advice find him at jason dot mortgage lots of reaction to Elias Pettersson, needless to say and um this is the second time this week where the comments have been really good 
on a certain post of ours. So. And the best thing is that it's so varied. So mm-hmm. again, the poll question yesterday, are you scared of him signing yesterday? David, C, he's going to have his best season to date, and then he'll leave. Oh. <laughs> Timu, trade him for a couple of first-round picks. And it still won't be enough. Wish we didn't drop in the draft that year. Could have had my car at second overall. What? You're, you're having Pedersen regret now. Oh, my God. They did have McCarr ranked as the number one player of that year. Give him that. Roberta Speedy just given fodder to narratives all year. Mind game king. He is, sort he of is a little bit of that. He is a little, yeah, he is a little bit of that. Dylan, not scared. I fully expect it. And we saw a... a a fair bit of the sad, sad club, sad club kind of stuff. Yeah, Sam. No, because this team has no shot of becoming a contender and needs to be rebuilt. Pedersen leaving would actually bring back hope for me. Wow. Like, these are strong Whoa. reactions, folks. Leaf, no. Up until now, having him on the team has not equated to winning. Are people turning? TB says everyone is getting way too ahead of themselves, mm-hmm. always assuming the negative right away. These are just simply negotiations Mm -hmm. and and you know what here's the thing i think everybody's entitled to these strong opinions it's not their fault the last decade has scarred all of these people Mm -hmm. so it's not their fault they're they're probably wrong i think tb is probably right but the fact that they've got all these thoughts swirling in their heads it's not their fault they've been scarred Mm -hmm. calling and planning they're in a death march in December again. Are we talking about a potential trade at the deadline? Certainly do not want to see that, but when does it get real if there's no progress on a new deal? It's absolutely right, Colin. Well, they they wouldn't need to use that as a leverage point because he's an RFA, right? And they, they've they got another year of service with a, with a um, mm-hmm. an RBer there. So I, 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 I don't think that the deadline is really... A pressure point. Uh, but I don't think you want to pay him what he could make in ARB on a one-year deal and walk him to unrestricted. So I, I agree with you. But the I summer, also, to me, it's the summer. Fair. But, of course, an acquiring team says, hey, we want the bonus playoff run. Of course. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, that's why you see some of these deals go down when the player has one year left on the contract, right? Two playoff runs, one year, that makes it And for a player of that, again, Mm -hmm. it's not happening, folks, but if we're going to walk down that boulevard, um, you know, he would be a pretty cheap superstar acquisition at the the trade deadline based on his current contract. And lastly on this one, Austin and Langley. Either you accept the rebuild or the rebuild (laughs) accepts you. You had us laughing, Austin. Well done. Uh, on YouTube, a reaction to the Jeff Patterson interview, uh, also on the same topic. Uh, first of all, from Gordon, Canucks are lucky that Vancouver is a nice city to live in if you can afford it after this many losing seasons. They should be a lot better this season with actual mm-hmm. penalty killers and a healthy Demko. But that first road trip is going mm-hmm. to be stressful. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. one game at home and then a bunch on the road. I mean, got to come back with a promising, like with at least a treading water record. Right? Twice bitten, third time shy. I yeah, mean, they've buried themselves in October two straight years here. Beerman Posse, you can tell by his body language and in interviews, he's gonna leave, or else he would have signed by now. He wants to win and make the playoffs, and he didn't want to be a captain. That's mm-hmm. what he said he'll be out if he is leaving 
Um, we need, I don't know what it yes. says there at the end. Yeah. yeah. No, um, I, I get his drift. I get his drift. Yeah. Didn't like the body language and, and yeah, could very well be, you know, setting things up a slow death by a thousand cuts departure here where it's an inevitability at some point. A lot of time left here. Boy, I, I mean, I would hope the Canucks take a final crack at this before the season starts. Say, look, Elias, here's our best offer. I mean, we know roughly what the money's going to be. I am wildly surprised, though, at the at some of the reaction. Bick tube, simple math: twelve mil saved. Shore up the D, two good D, mm-hmm. six each, six mil each. Buy Pete. Buy Pete. We don't need you either. Want players that want to be here? Give Miller the C, like Quinn Marinade. Plenty of scores in the lineup, plus elite goaltender. You're welcome. Petey, for all that Vancouver's offered you, don't let the door hit. Whoa. Wow. I know. What? That's too strong, guys. Yeah, I mean, I can understand how Canucks fans might have heard what they heard yesterday and say, he doesn't want to be here or he doesn't want us. I get that. Fandom can be quite emotional. Yeah, and again, they're scarred. Quite erratic. This fan base, more than most, is accustomed to Don Taylor's great line, impending doom. So I can understand where all of this is coming from. Seems a little harsh, though, and I'm with you, Blake. Some of these posts, I can't believe my eyes. Let's end on this one, then. Just a good old-fashioned, simple, tell-me-I'm-wrong prediction. Cleanse the palate a little. Mm -hmm. Adam, the former bath guy. The Bills are due for a regression. Aaron Rodgers won't get the Jets a winning season. The Pats are the Pats. My Miami Dolphins will win the AFC. Adam, I can't tell you wrong because here's the thing. I find myself looking at that division and going, yeah, Buffalo might be, especially if Allen gets hurt. And God knows he takes a lot of a lot of hits. I'm not yet a believer in the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, Tua went healthy. He's, he's been very good. And there are some other pieces on that Miami team. I mean, the receiving group is sensational. So will be a very interesting division come next month and I think over the course of the NFL season. Well, we're joined now by the guys who've been talking the NFL preseason, and we always knew we had it in them here in British Columbia. Our pleasure to welcome back to the program Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, Mr. Nathan Rourke. How you doing? Thanks for the time here, Nathan. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for thanks for having me. Always good to talk to you guys. Well, what do you make of all the attention that's come on you for that play, most specifically, but for the entirety of the preseason performance so far? Yeah, I mean, it's been good. I mean, I think at this point, you know, it's a little bit like trying to get recruited out of high school to get a Division One scholarship. Any type of attention is good, right? So you're just trying to leave a good impression, whether it's you know, in in the building with in Jacksonville, or if it's elsewhere around the league, you're really just trying to put your best foot forward and you know, plays like that can't hurt, right? So I uh, just try and do my best out there. Take us through that play. Yeah, so it was a little bit of an odd situation. We had an injury to our long snapper earlier in the in the game, so we weren't kicking any field goals. So it's third and 16, and I knew that I had two downs um, to try to get a first down. Um, we call a play um, uh, that is a little bit longer developing, so I know that um, I'm, I'm going to need it to create some time and, and I go to take a five-step drop and, um, they're playing a, 
they're playing a coverage that I, I I'm gonna have to hang on my foot any back foot anyways. Um, so I take a glance to see what they're doing up front, and uh, they they get through, and I just try to make something happen at that point. Again, knowing that I have two downs, um, I tried to spin out of it, and then the guy had me, but he had me a little bit too high, so I was able to duck underneath it, and then um, I kind of got a lot. I mean, a lot of things happened at that point, and then when I got out and I was able to look downfield, I saw that. Our running back, uh, Quadre, was doing a really good job of scramble rolls, and he was taking it up the sideline and then um, was able to see him streaking down the, the right sideline and was able to set my feet somehow and, and make a throw as I was going down. So um, kind of a blur the way it happened, but um, it's interesting. My, my buddy from high school was at the Detroit game, and we were talking about a play that I made very similar in high school uh, when they were, I was on my way down. And uh, we were laughing about that. So uh, not the first time I've been able to do that, but first time I've been able to do it in a in a, in a place like that. So now, Nathan, the, uh, for a young quarterback in the NFL trying to you know uh, make the team and up his lot in life, the big mistake might hurt you more than the big highlight helps you. Was there any time to think maybe I just got to eat this ball and we'll play for the next down and? What do you think it says about your approach here that you're willing to go out and try a play like that? It had ugly interception written all over it. You're right. If you force the throw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, the probably maybe the right way to look at things, but I'm not, I, I'm really just trying to go out there and sling it really. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like there's a lot of expectations for me right now. I don't think that a lot of, I mean, especially at that point, not a lot of people knew who, what I was about and what I could do. And, and um, I, I just feel like, um, you know, there's not a lot of you know expectations for me to perform. And so I'm just going out there and playing, playing ball and, and uh, just kind of, you know, I, I've made this kind of jump already. So might as well go out there and trying your best and trying everything you can to make plays. And, and uh, rather than playing conservative, I don't think the preseason, like, I don't think the position that I'm in right now is in any way, such form to play conservative. So I just haven't, haven't been playing that way. We grew up in an era where CFL quarterbacks going down this uh, to the uh, to the NFL was was a little more commonplace, I think, um, although he wasn't in a social media era. So it was it's difficult to compare sort of the hubbub around you going down versus Sean Salisbury going down or whoever you take your pick. Um but it's pretty fun to watch in that we've got access to your games. We've got access to all this reaction. We were talking off air here about your Ohio coach um, going crazy on his wife's hummingbird video. He <laughs> went viral as well. Yeah, so he, Nathan went so viral, he had viral babies on that. And then the BC Lions did the same thing. They had a live cam on the – the Lions were in the middle of a, of a game um, when when you were – and your teammates are on the sideline reacting to that with some hysterical quips like, I taught them how to do that and that sort of thing. I mean, it was it's, – it's been fascinating – uh, to watch, do you feel the love? Do you feel the support that you're getting from all these angles? Yeah, I mean that the video of the uh, the Lions at uh, the game that, that was really cool. I'm really, um, I was really touched by that. I mean, it was I was very thankful that the uh, the people there were able to get that on the the jumbotron and send me that video and uh, just that was I mean that was pretty kind of cool. I mean, even with as difficult as it was a, a decision to come down and leave that team, um, you know that my teammates and my former teammates with the lions were always the most supportive and um, for they get the reactions to that play was, was just super special for me. So I'm really glad that that was, that was something that I was able to see. How much are you um, 
now focused on, on I, I wanted to say I was watching the second game after that because now you've caught us you got our attention so you must watch you must watch TV in the preseason like I've never said that in my life but this is what you've uh, created for me um, and so I'm I'm trying to be um, almost negative on you because I'm like I you know I want I want success for you so bad so I'm trying to be analytical I'm like oh, he's running a lot like do they do they want him to to run a lot or what are they asking of you. Um, and it seems like the receivers are helping you too because uh, you're you're you've got a pretty good receiving core there. You put balls up in the air and they're going up and grabbing it, which is not a, unlike the receiving core you had here with the BC Lions. So, you know, in terms of the plays, uh, you know, how much are they calling for you, and, and are they allowing you to run as much as, as you appear to be? Yeah, I mean, they, we certainly have some design runs. Um, I think they're going to try to play to my strengths, and I feel like you know that's one of the things that I can do is I can read an end and and pull it and get around him. And that's something I did in college and I'm comfortable with. And, um, you know, I wasn't asked to do that in BC. So it was a little bit of, a little bit different, but, um, you know, I, I think that there's only so much you can do with, um, with the young guys that I'm going in and playing with. Um, like I said, the expectations, I don't think are very high, but I'm trying to do the best I can and, and be able to, we're running a lot of stuff that's very basic and just trying to go out there and execute and a lot of defenses in the preseason play man. And so we're, we're doing some things where yeah, you have to go out there and, you throw a ball up and you hope the receiver comes and makes a play. And our guys have been doing that. So um, it's one of those things you just kind of play the situation out and um, hope for the best. You've been very clear. You, you understand the position you're in there, a franchise that took Trevor Lawrence first overall. Nathan, do you think there's any opportunity at being a, a change of pace quarterback, a short yardage quarterback, like you said, specific plays where you come on in and, and get a chance once we get going for real here? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I sure would embrace that. I mean, I, I just any any point to to play. I mean, I I'd love the opportunity to do so and be able to contribute in some way. And again, whether it's it's Jacksonville or if it's somewhere else, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna embrace that opportunity. And um, I, my goal is 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 never going to be uh you know to be a a career long backup. I'm always gonna try to do whatever I can to be to get on the field. And um probably gonna drive myself a little crazy until I get that opportunity. So um. Yeah, it's going to probably have to come with some patience, just get, given the situation of who I am and, you know, the fact that I'm undrafted and all that different type of stuff. But, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think it's going to be worth it. And so whatever opportunity I get, I'm going to I'm going to take advantage of it. Your coach says you're still number three on the depth chart. Do you think that has a possibility of changing here in what's left of preseason? Yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I certainly went into the situation hoping that um, I would get an opportunity uh, to compete. Um, but at the end of the day, I think uh, you have to look at the positives and you have to think about, um, you know, the, the room that you're in and people that you do get to learn from and just to be able to have the opportunity to get film and, and to be able to get some, some snaps. I mean, I know, look at the other situations around the league and you see some quarterbacks who, um, you know, are in four or five person rooms and they're, you know, they have four or five quarterbacks on the roster. They haven't had the chance to go in and play during the preseason. And, um, you know, I've been able to play the equivalent of one game uh, up until this point and I'll be able to play this Saturday as well. And so I think that, um, you know, to be able to learn from the guys that I have, um, in Trevor and CJ and, um, to be able to get the film on, you know, with, uh, with the Jags here, I think that that's all that you can ask for. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff I'm going to be able to learn from, uh, throughout this season, and um, but at the end of the day, I think it's the coach's decision and the, the GM's decision, and I'll just go from there. Do you know or do you know at this point in the week if you're seeing any first-half action, or is it pretty spelled out that it goes one, two, three on the depth chart throughout the course of the game, and it'll be second-half action? Uh, I think the latter. Um, 
I think that Doug uh, wants to get the starters a good go this this week, and um, they didn't play at all last week. So I think that both sides of the ball, I think the starters are going to go for as long as he sees fit. How much are you keeping up with the lines? A uh, good amount, good amount. I've been, I mean, you always, I got so many people that I've been rooting for, right? And uh, not only on the Lions, but across the league. And uh, But specifically, been uh, been watching them, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, had some injuries at quarterback and were able to kind of te- uh, test that depth. And uh, as, as always, I think they did a really a pretty good job there. And, um, you know, I think uh, obviously you watch, again, teams like Winnipeg continue to to be what to be good and 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 to be just absolute beasts in the West and I think they'll, they'll be uh, looking forward to a a, a really critical th- uh, third game tiebreaker game there in BC Place at the end of the year uh, I'm looking forward to that one and um, but I've also been able to watch you know um, some some other guys kind of rise and you know we got some new quarterbacks around the league um, based on injuries or otherwise and, and that thing that's been exciting and obviously it's tough I think for our fans just to kind of be able to stick with stick with some players, you know, people that you like to watch. But at the end of the day, I think this, the some new young players from fresh faces is good for the league. And uh, it's been fun to watch. Well, if he's keeping up with CFL tiebreakers, he's, he's yeah, keeping he up. In. Uh, yeah. Last question here, Nathan Vernon was so gracious when he came in last year, was so honest about, you know, who he is, who he wasn't and what the task at hand was. Do you find yourself rooting for Vernon? at quarterback this year now that you turn the team and the keys over to him? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think he's a guy that, you know, who, you know, deserves every type of thing that's coming his way. He, he works extremely hard. I think he's done a great job this off season of really making this thing his own. And um, I, it's been great to see the organization really put their trust in, in, in uh, him and in the direction that he's going to be taking the team. And, you know, I think that all the, the pieces are there uh, for the team. And, and that's why, again, what, what made it so difficult for, for me to leave because I knew that we had all the right pieces. And But I think that um, Vernon's going to done a really good job and um, really made this place his home. And um, obviously would love to for, for him to continue to stay healthy. Um, I think that's going to be the key. Um, and, but I think if he does that, I think that they've got a good, as, good a chance as anybody. So definitely rooting for him and, and for the rest of the guys over in BC. Well, you got a city, a province. Heck, you got 10 provinces. You got a country. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Pulling for you down there, Nathan. Continued success with Jacksonville. We'll all be watching, following, cheering you on. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Secure some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group hashtags are the best of Twitter.com. Blake Price, why don't you lead us off? What you got today? Uh, pretty simple at Open Cup. What period? A period. Night period. Hashtag Messi. Uh, Matt, he did it again. Messi magic this time in the U.S. <laughs> Open Cup. They they probably can't make the playoffs. Although I say probably because if they win out. They will, mm-hmm. and you never say never with this with this team now. De Messi's there, but they were down two Cobb in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal, and then Messi just decided yep. to turn it on. He did it again. I, I have a friend who's he's a Brit, and of course has his soccer preferences. And he said to me uh, last night, "I never thought I'd be following MLS as closely as I'm following MLS, but that is the Messi effect on this league." And we were also talking. Boy, really too bad that MLS didn't get Neymar, huh? 
Yes. Like, and really too bad. That, I mean, that would be top rope, top oh, rope. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's Hogan and Savage. The yeah. Mega powers yeah. right there. Yeah. And yeah, not on the same team. Just you know, sprinkle him into the Western Conference. Oh, and, absolutely. Now, and I mean, look, you know, Neymar is, he already was a very rich man. He is now an uber rich man. But, buddy, enjoy Riyadh in January. I mean, you could have been in L.A. or New York or... And, and to each their own. And how much buzz, like, do you see your Twitter timeline explode with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo goals? No. No. Like, I no. don't know where he is. I'll do respect no. to T-Mart who's listening to all this. Yes. Like Timelines are curated. I'm sure Trevor's explodes a no, little but more I, than ours. I cover a lot of European soccer guys, too, on, on my Twitter timeline. Mm-hmm. I, no one's talking about what Cristiano Ronaldo is doing. Well, no one knows what he's doing. There is no player that could really get North America paying attention to the Saudi League. No. Maybe there are Europeans who would. I still, like, I would think but it would reverberate that. through. It's not mm-hmm. happening. At Andrew... At Andrew Petcash, Sports Business Journal. Steve Kerr is joining Steve Nash as an owner in Club RCD Mallorca. The rush to soccer investing is real. Yeah, it's crazy how many uh, big sports figures in North America have moved into the soccer game um, and in in Europe oftentimes. Um, It got me thinking, though, does Steve Nash ever spend any time or – do anything promotional for Mallorca? And no, his, comparing and, and, it. Well, yes. I, I just is there ever a day coming where Steve Nash is going to speak to the Whitecaps, be on hand for the Whitecaps, show face with the Whitecaps? It's, I think, and maybe I was naive, but I thought okay after the NBA coaching thing went sideways that you might see. Steve Nash around his home province and the team that he co-owns here a little bit. Yeah, that's been, has been and continues to be a disappointing yeah. element really disappointing. to the ownership group, especially mm-hmm. because, um, and, you know, Greg Kerfoot is not to be seen, but yes. Jeff Mallett is a wonderful uh, spokesperson for the team and shows a ton of interest in the team. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's just him. Mm -hmm. At the Dunk Central, Damian Lillard confirms his trade request. Quote, I can say there was one, and I would prefer, just prefer not to speak on the Trailblazers. End quote. Um, This is interesting because I think we're not too far away from the Supersonics returning to Seattle. I think it could be measured within a couple years. We'll get an announcement on that. But the Trailblazers might be in total rebuild mode at that point. You know, if they get, if they lose Damian Lillard, I mean, there's there's their regional rivalry is going to take a while to to grow if the Sonic if the Trailblazers do not have Damian Lillard. Anyway, there's a superstar mm-hmm. available Raptors on the market. To, Raptors need to get him. Like honestly, this is got this should be Kawhi 2.0, and I'm not this sure he's good enough. To be Kawhi 2.0, but if I'm the sizzle would be I'm there. Jerry, I'm all in on that, especially especially if Siakam wants out. Yeah, absolutely. At Vancouver Sun, Lydia Ko hoping another CPKC Women's Open title will bring honorary Canadian crown with it. Yeah, I know we talked about the Women's Open at Shaughnessy this week earlier in the show, but lest we forget, 
New Zealand's Lydia Ko is a three-time winner of this event. She won it in 2012 at the Vancouver Club, Blake, at age 15 to become the youngest LPGA winner ever. Her quote this week, it's always going to be very special for me. Maybe if I win a fourth time, I'll be an honorary Canadian. I'm willing to. Absolutely. I'm willing to. Absolutely. And especially, like, she peaks so young. Then she had a down spell. Now she's back. She's only 25, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. And that's hashtags for today. So here's some price from Wall Center. You can text us 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips? It's going to be great. Yeah, sure is. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program and beyond. And there were three, two on me. Mm-hmm. Start with you. There was a question, I want to say it to Frank Corrado, where seemed to imply Kachuk was a UFA uh, leaving Calgary. He was an RFA. He had the one year left. Uh I got Alex Ovechkin's contract wrong. It was a 13-year deal, not a 12-year deal, thanks to David and Surrey on that. And um, earlier in the week, I referred to a picture of Dodger Stadium with like a lake around it. I'm told that was a doctored photo, that it was not as bad as that photo. Yeah. Made it appear. Yeah. I, I, there's anytime there's flooding, the one with the shark on the freeway comes up. Um, well, this one had no sharks. No, so. <laughs> but, you know, people love to doctor this sort of thing. Yeah. Bodog line of the day with Blake Price. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds, who you like, what you got. Premier League, of course, back in action. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to look at a Chelsea loot in town game and get excited. That's my uh, that's my Luton Town. Yeah, on promotion. But I uh, I do like it on the spread. I mean, it seems like free money on the spread. Uh, Chelsea minus two uh, at just minus one twenty two. So you're like you're huh? almost doubling your cash. I mean, this is going to be a four nothing win. So easy, easy over my Hatters. Yes, on your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to us and Rinkwide, wherever you get your podcast, then please do follow us on social media. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.